The Military Officers Association of America is a nonprofit organization protecting service members' earned pay and benefits. We are the largest military service organization and among the largest veteran service organizations with 350,000 members who together advocate on behalf of all uniformed service members for a strong national defense. Welcome back to the Never Stop Serving podcast, and I'm your host, Olivia Nunn. And I'm super excited to get right into today's episode with another colleague friend. And actually, you know, more than just a friend, I've been a longtime friend actually with my um, buddy here, uh, Corey Titus. And we're going to talk about um, actually a topic that's been in the news for a while, but it's a very important topic. And we're going to get after Agent Orange and Burn Pits. So, Corey, thank you for coming on to the show. Corey is actually the director of Veteran Benefits. And he's also the Guard and Reserve Affairs at MOA. So, and oh, by the way, one of my really favorite part of all of that is he's also an Army veteran. So, Corey, thanks so much for spending time here on the Never Stop Serving podcast series. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So, Corey, before we dig in, you know, I did mention that we've been longtime friends. And, you know, I, you know, before coming here to MOA and being a podcast host here at MOA, one of the things I talked about is networking. And I'm a big advocate about networking, networking, networking. And that's actually how we became friends is because we did exactly that. It was networking back in the day in my, you know, former capacity at Soldier for Life. And that's how we became friends. In fact, it was networking at none other than at a MOA networking event. And so fast forward three years later, and here we are teammates at this MOA podcasting event. So how amazing, awesome. And now we're going to dig into what MOA does best, which is advocacy on a very important topic. So Corey, burn pits, why are we talking about burn pits? Like why, why now? And why this topic? I mean, there's a couple of reasons, a whole bunch of things uh, coming together. I mean, first off, it's, it's still an issue. We have service members getting sick, service members uh, really seeing the true effects of how hazardous are hazardous they are coming to fruition now. So, I mean, part of the thing that's so malicious about burn pits and many toxic exposures is how delayed they are in the uh, negative health uh, effects coming to light. And we're starting to see that now with all the different types of illnesses, cancers, hurting service members years or decades later. So when we talk about burn pits, what comes to mind is recently in the last 20 years that we have spent as a nation at war in Iraq and Afghanistan. And we think about the service members stirring those pots, those 55-gallon drum barrels of all the things that we had to discard, right? Um, and But there's there's an aftermath of that, right? The things that go up in the air, all those particles. And that's what we're talking about, those, those particles, those fine, minute particles, and we end up breathing those in on top of all of the other particles in the air from the environment, and it plays havoc with our bodies. And so recently, you just got done advocating on our behalf on the Hill. Can you, can you talk to us about that? What was that like? And what were you specifically advocating for us? Yeah, absolutely. So this is something that uh, I've been very involved in in a variety of capacities. And really, it's the whole 
MOA team has been behind this. This is some, an issue that we believe was so important that we focused our spring advocacy campaign on it. So we went to the Hill and this was one of our top issues that we focused on to take a look at how we are treating toxic exposures. And there have been a lot of different fixes over the years. And where we came to is we really need comprehensive toxic exposure reform. We need to address this from the ground up. And that's what our asks were. We were looking at, first off, we needed to concede exposure for burn pits. That's something that hasn't formally been done by the VA, which <clears throat> hurts the service member's ability to actually file a, a claim. So we asked for conceding exposure and recognizing that. We asked for better reporting. And then we really are asking for uh, healthcare to make sure that as we're doing studies and connecting, developing the research to connect all these illnesses to those particulate matter exposure into the burn pits, that we're getting veterans the healthcare and benefits they deserve. But if you're an ill veteran and the science isn't out, we can't be waiting. And we need to make sure that they have access to healthcare. And that was our third ask. So let's start from the beginning. You've been intimately involved in this discussion and in this topic. In fact, I know I've had this conversation with you off and on for the past couple of years, but let's go back to the beginning. Let's bring our listeners in to the beginning and you're passionate about it. And that's why we're having this conversation, but let's go to the beginning and bring our listeners in and ask to why this is so important. Yes, we just quickly talked about these particulate matters, and yeah, they lead to cancer, but so are so many other things that lead to cancer, right? Why specifically burn pits? So let's go back to page one, chapter one. Why burn pits? Of all the other things we could talk about, why burn pits? So let's go back there. I mean, I think you're part of why that we've focused on burn pits is because it affects so many service members. We look at Iraq and Afghanistan as the places where they were predominantly used, but this is something that has been used all over where the Department of Defense is stationed service members and has affected so many different people that we're just really starting to grasp and understand it. So I think part of it is the magnitude, but I think in this conversation, it's important to recognize that this is one exposure of dozens, if not hundreds, that are affecting service members. And kind of with our ass and the way that we approach this thing, it's yes, burden pits is where we focused and we're able to have a conversation because of the magnitude of how many people it affects. But with the comprehensive approach, we need to make sure that people aren't falling through the cracks if they're not, they don't have, weren't as affected as the millions facing burn pit exposure, if there's only a few thousand service members, we can't forget about them. And the approach we took is focused on just that. We conceded the exposure, we believe we should concede exposure to burn pits. But when something like uh, a smaller exposure comes up, we need to make sure that we have an avenue to help support the science as we develop those connections and take care of service members right away. And that was the approach that we took when we planned our advocacy campaign and are really speaking with every office on this, on these issues. You know, I think one of the things that we probably need to talk about is this wasn't necessarily a new rodeo per se, right? There was something that the burn pit discussion was able to launch off of. And that was the history of what happened in the era before 
the war on terror era. And it lets, and specifically what I'm referencing is the Vietnam era. Yeah. We're talking about Agent Orange. What happened to the brotherhood and sisterhood uh, that happened to them, you know, and they're still reeling from what happened to their exposure. And we're still trying to get advocacy and healthcare for that generation. But it's taking that knowledge, that platform, that database, and launching that forward, and then making sure that we didn't wait 40 years, right, and doing the right thing. And so here we are now. And part of that timeline, you know, we're talking about this timeline, we went back to the beginning on page one of why burn pits, because you're right, and you mentioned this at the very beginning of our discussion is that in so many ways, I think it's a silent killer for so many of us because it's we don't even think about it. You know, my first exposure, if you will, was in 2003. That's when I went during my first tour. And who knows, right, what what's lurking within, right? Um, knock on wood that that's not something that will be around the corner for me. But the truth is that it is part of my medical history. And part of the advocacy is that we need our medical providers, both in the military system and in the civilian sector, to understand the nuances of what our military members have been exposed to. Yeah, you're and what I'm driving right. at is that all too often, in fact, I have a really good friend who is with Hunter 7, right, Foundation, and we talk about this. Chelsea and I talk about this a lot. This is what happens. 37-year-old military service member goes in for ailment of some kind, right? Some kind of pain, chest, ankle, body, some some pain. And the doctor diagnoses, well, you know, take two and call me in the morning. Because it's so inconceivable that those ailments could be matching some kind of cancer. Because there's no way you're healthy, you're in the military, you get up, you exercise. And a 37-year-old could possibly not have a cancer that would typically hit somebody who's 60 years old. So they don't screen or go through the necessary steps of looking for cancer because there's no way. But the truth is it is cancer. And by the time they figure it out, it has metastasized. We're now in like stage three, stage four, and the ability to fight that and the percentage of being able to come out on the healthy side has dramatically reduced. And that is what this conversation is about, is that we've got to get on the front side of, okay, there's a potential that maybe what's lurking in you is dangerous and deadly, and let's get on the front side of it. So that way your odds to kill this that's inside of you is taken care of, and now the odds are in your favor, right? And that's where Mm -hmm. we're having the discussion. Exactly. And I think that's what, I mean, you're you're hitting on it perfectly, is why that comprehensive approach is needed. And it's so necessary because there's so many different points, touch points, where we can make a positive impact. Because unfortunately, a lot of the exposures happen, already happened. There's nothing we can do about that. But how do we get ahead of it? Make sure that their health care is adequate and looking for that kind of stuff, not just preventative after they have, after a service member or veteran has a horrible health condition. But getting ahead and looking for that to catch it earlier and ensure that the not only do they have access to the healthcare, but the healthcare professionals are trained to identify all the different conditions because you're right, they are abnormal. You're not used to seeing service members with cancer at 
such young ages. And unless you're trained on the different processes to, to look at that, you need to make sure that not only is the medical profession there, but those records are being transferred. Because when you go from the DOD to the VA, that's an essential part to make sure the medical providers have that evidence. So it's possible for them to look at that and help connect some of those dots. So we're going to take a quick break here, but when we get back, I want to talk about your time specifically sitting at Capitol Hill and some of your testimony. So we'll get right back to that. So are you in the guard or reserves? Balancing your civilian and military life can be tough. In fact, Corey knows all about this. So check out our MOA's guide, maintaining a career while in the guard and reserves at moa.org slash reserves. So Corey, you, I just mentioned earlier that you were at Capitol Hill talking specifically about this very important topic of advocating for us about burn pits. And you've spent a lot of time doing testimonies. What is that like? What, when somebody says, I've been on Capitol Hill doing testimonies, what is that like? Are you like strapped in a chair and people are like throwing all these darts at you? Like, what, what does that mean? And what are they asking you? And what are you saying back? Like, you know, are you sweating profusely? Like, kind of shed some light for us. What, what are you doing on behalf of the military community when you represent us with MOA? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And that's one of those things. So the way that Congress is generally broken down, everybody knows the House and the Senate. And then from there, each of the chambers has different committees that kind of focus on a special area of our national national interests. And where I've testified before is in front of uh, the House and Senate Veterans Affairs Committee. So uh, every year they have you know, a hearing to focus on listening to what are top priorities. And I had the pleasure of speaking about MOA's top priorities at the beginning of this year and re- to really focus and hammer home the importance of toxic exposure and a whole bunch of other issues that are on our list of goals this year. And it's obviously been a little bit different because we've been in the virtual environment. So I didn't get the full effect of testifying. But you know what? It was still a very nerve-wracking experience sitting down and sitting face-to-face with uh, senators and uh, representatives explaining the importance of these issues. And it's, uh, it was truly a privilege. And it was a great experience because you can tell that each of them care so much about taking care of our veterans and addressing these issues. And not only you do you see it in the committee, but you see it with their actions after the fact. And that has been certainly reflected with the comprehensive bills that they put forward on toxic exposure. In the Senate, the uh, Cost of War Act in the House is honoring our PACT Act. And the great news about that is what all of our members have been advocating for is included in each of these bills. So not only are they listening, but they're listening to the lawmakers that each of our members are sitting down and talking to. And these conversations are having a vital impact on making the change that we need for our veterans. So what I think I just heard you say and why this is important and why we're driving this home is that MOA is in the business of advocating. So if you if you've listened to any part of this conversation, I've heard I've said the word advocacy numerous times. And by simply being present in that conversation, we're driving home on behalf of the military community advocacy. And that's why it's important that you become part of an organization like MOA so that you can have a seat at the table. Because it's tough when you wear the military uniform, 
you can't represent yourself. So Moa is going to do that representation for you. And you're going to have somebody like Corey who's going to sit at that table and say, hey, it's important that we're having this comprehensive conversation about things that we've been exposed to that could turn around, you know, literally bite us in our butt, if you will, later on. And that's going to impact our ability to have a healthy, normal life, right? For ourselves, for our family, and for our future. And it's making those changes. And here's the other thing. It's not just MOA that's having this conversation. In fact, I just talked about another nonprofit that's making changes, right? Hunter 7 Foundation. But there's also other people in that community that are advocating on our behalf. John Stewart has made big headline waves for on behalf of the military community in creating changes in policy. So it's not just to say that MOA is the only one. Yes, we're going to toot our horn here at MOA, but it takes a community. It takes a tribe, right? It takes everyone being actively involved to make change, to change the narrative. And I, that's what I really want to drive home is that it takes all of us in recognizing. I think that's part of the reason why you've seen such solidarity behind the toxic exposure reform efforts. Not only is MOA coming out, you have all the other big VSOs and smaller ones coming and saying the same thing. We need comprehensive toxic exposure reform. We need to address this. And Congress is listening. And I mean, that's one of the things that I like about the military and veteran community is we've carried carried forward those values and principles that we fought and served with. And we very much believe in coalition efforts, working together. And whether you're at a MO or a different organization, we're going to work hand in hand because ultimately we're all working for the same folks, service members, veterans, their families and survivors. Absolutely. You know, so why burn pits, Corey? There's, there are a ton of topics that you can get involved in, right? I have, I have my passion pieces that I want to talk about, but for you, how did you land in the burn pits being one of, not that it's your only, but how did burn pits become one of your passion pieces uh, for you to be heavily involved in? Because this isn't something that you just charge the hill one time. This is something that you've been charging and you're going to continuously charge. Right. And I, so I think that kind of comes back to right after we finished with the Blue Water Navy fight. That was a huge, tremendous, tremendous legislative win. And the MOA and a lot of the VSOs kind of take, took a step back. It's like, this isn't sustainable. We can't continue to do this. How do we fight this and fundamentally change the way that we address these comprehensive toxic exposure uh, toxic exposures? And really, burn pits was the next big fight. And we looked at those lessons from Vietnam and the Agent Orange era. It's like, we can't go about this the same way. Too many folks are going to die. Too many service members or veterans are going to not get the care and benefits they deserve until it's far too late. And that was kind of the like the uh, awakening moment for the whole community that fundamentally changed how we had to go about this. And it was a lot of conversations, really a coalition effort to approach it and decide that we need to to look at burn pits and all exposures a little bit differently. You know, at the end of the day, you know, just you talking about that and and connecting the dots about why why we do what we do, right? Um, 
And I think anybody who has served just a little bit of time, you recognize, you know, you, you chose to serve for a reason and then you come back at it. And it's not uncommon that even when you take off the uniform, you want to give back to the community because it becomes a part of you in some way, especially, you know, for somebody who's been at it for 20, you know, just slightly over 20 years, it's, it's been part of me for so long. And, and as you were talking about, you know, the lessons learned from, from the Vietnam era, we lost so many that have given to our nation because of exposures. And we've already started seeing that in our generation, the generation that have that has proudly served because of the war on terror. And I'm just thinking about just recently some of the stories that we've heard of exposures that have happened, you know, cancers that are that are hitting hard, rare and deadly cancers that are unheard of because of these exposures. And that that hits hard. That hits in the heart. Um, that makes me tear up. So it's it's why we do it. Exactly. We have to do it. Right. There's I mean, your your battle buddies that you're fighting with today are served alongside. They're experiencing a lot of this stuff now, and that's one of the things that is you, you can take off the uniform, but how and why you continue to serve is something that really I don't, I don't think ever leaves. And I'm very fortunate to have the opportunity to work in an organization like MOA where I can continue to make a difference, although albeit not in uniform, but still fighting for those on the front lines who are are making those efforts and. I think service members shouldn't have to worry about is the the way that we're fighting this war gonna gonna hurt me gonna hurt my family if I'm get taken too early and I think that's why it's so important that we need to address this and take care of this. You're absolutely right. You know, and I'm going to shamelessly plug in the fact that Moa is there for you. In fact, Moa has resume critiques for premium and life members, so. When you are ready for the life outside of the military, visit moa.org slash join to upgrade an email and the experts at MOA will help you. So transition at moa.org for your critique because like MOA believes in never stop serving, that is why this podcast is called the Never Stop Serving podcast series because you know, it's all about the advocacy. It's all about that community. It's about giving back to those that have given so much to this nation. You know, Corey, it's more than just exposures, right? It's more than just burn pits. It's more than just taking the notes from the Vietnam era. It's it's more than just reform, right? There's there's so much to this conversation. What is the 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 one aha moment that you had as you're going through this as you, from the beginning when you first took on the challenge of the burn pits to now that as you look through this conversation that you kind of sat there and it was this big epiphany in this as you unpacked this whole advocacy on burn pits that's a great question i gotta pause and think about that one for a second an aha moment for i think me was when Looking at the way that we kind of approached, I think so So much of it was rooted in how we approached Agent Orange. And I think that we're something that um, Mo has been thinking a lot about and a lot, a lot of the other communities are starting to recognize is that every exposure is so unique and so different that while we are asking for a comprehensive process to reform that, we need to make sure that it is able to 
capture all the different approaches and different exposures that are so different because like we talked about earlier, there's so many different exposures that we've seen service members. So a one size fits all type approach is really tough. And that's something that we've tried to balance with our asks on the Hill and the legislation, the comprehensive legislation we're trying to get passed. And um, we think that we're making huge strides there, but that's where the continued advocacy efforts follow up is going to be so so important. It's like once we pass this next bill, we're not done. A good example of that is the VA recently recognized three presumptives for um, sinusitis, asthma, and rhinositis connected to particulate matter from pet exposure. And well, we're uh, obviously very uh, excited to see that the VA is recognizing these conditions. We can't let it take off the pressure and to kind of stall these reforms because that's not enough. We need to keep going. We need to ensure that this is something that we're vigilant about for through these bills getting passed and for years to come because there is so much, so many different exposures that we can't, we can't leave anybody behind. We need to make sure that we're taking care of all the different uh, veterans and their their families as well that might have been exposed uh, here or abroad. You know, it doesn't matter what topic of conversation that I have with Moa. It could be burn pits. It could be women's health. It could be, you know, fill in the blank. What always comes through in that conversation that I have with a teammate is passion. And the fact that community for the military community matters. That's what I love so much about the conversations that I have with each MOA member. And it and that always shines through in the conversations. And that's what I love. And I can go, I can have conversations all day with MOA, right? And and I love that. But but we always run out of time. So Corey, I'm gonna leave this last to you. What is the one last thing you really want our listeners to know about the work that MOA is doing when it comes to burn pit and the advocacy that MOA is doing? That's an easy one. And the fact is, we can't do it without you. We need to hear from you. We need to hear your voice on the Hill. We need you filling out calls to action, scheduling time with your lawmakers to sit down and talk about these issues because they listen to you, we listen to you, and you're the reason why we're ultimately here. Corey, thanks so much for spending time on the Never Stop Serving podcast. Thanks for everything that you continue to do for our military community. And thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Stay tuned. And I hope that you continue to listen to everything that we do here at MOA and hope that you stay tuned for the next episode on the Never Stop Serving podcast series. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and guests and do not necessarily reflect official policies or positions of the Military Officers Association of America.